You're listening to Halford and Bruff. that your third game as an Islander is against Vancouver? Uh, you know what? I was waiting for somebody to bring that up. <laughs> that is going to be an interesting game, to say the least. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. Oh, no. I'm not falling for that again. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. From the beautiful Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog, good morning to you. Ah, good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. He'll never retire from the world of orthotics. It's Jason Bruff. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Big show ahead on the health. My ear- earphones are going crazy here. They're crackling. They're popping. That's a good start. Yeah, it is. It still feels, that feels odd, but I'm going to battle through. It only affects you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I shouldn't really focus on something that only affects me. They're fixed now. I got it. Uh, Halford and Bruff, in the morning, you are listening to a big show ahead. Guest list begins at 6.30. Down goes Brown, better known as Sean McIndo, is going to join us. It's the all-star break. We can talk to Sean about everything that's going on around the NHL. Uh, 7.30, David Amber. we got a big hockey show ahead. All hockey guests today as we try and squeeze what's ever left. Of the NHL season. Are we going to go around the NHL with David Amber no, as well? No, we're going to go up and down the NHL oh, with okay. David Amber. We're cool. Gonna go, we're going to go so around the NHL with uh, DGB yep. and up and down DGB with... DGB will be more of a circumference thing. Uh, David DA. Amber will be north to south. Like more like an elevator? Okay. Up yeah. and down the elevator with Yes, the, gotcha. up and down the David elevator Amber? Cool. with David Amber. All right. And then awesome. at 8.05, we're going to talk to Murph, and we're going to circumnavigate the Canucks. Okay. Cool. With Murph. Nice. Uh, there's only two NHL games as we are getting closer and closer to the All-Star break. Uh, Toronto and Boston, that's a good one. Nine NBA games. Now, your beloved Newcastle United are on their way to the Carabao Cup final, Jason. They find out who they play today. I think we should probably stop calling them my beloved Newcastle United. I haven't really supported them that ardently for name a long, players. long time. I can name three players. Is Alan here. Shearer still on the he team? He is, oddly enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, I want to bang through this because we actually have breaking news on the morning show, Halford and Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Uh, without further ado, let's tell everybody, Greg, what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? Hey, check this out. Tom Brady retired from football. Again, but this time he says it's for real. The 45-year-old quarterback, seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, 23 years in -hmm. the National Football League, announced today, and rather modestly, I might add, that he is really, really for real retiring from football. It's for real this time. In a near minute-long video that he posted to Twitter less than an hour ago, Brady just kind of came out and said it. No pomp, no circumstance, no pulp. Well, a little bit of pulp. And he said, this is it. This is for real. Here's Tom Brady announcing his retirement after 23 years in the NFL. 
Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I uh, won't be long-winded. Like you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever, there's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. Now, if you're thinking this feels and sounds familiar, it's because it is familiar. Brady retired one year ago, exactly today, February 1st, 2022. I have no idea the significance of this particular day. Mm -hmm. It obviously holds some significance, but this time it sounds... <laughs> he's 45. He's retiring. He was 44 he's, last year. He's retiring. He retired last year. It took him, by the way, in case you're wondering, the time frame on this is 40 days. It took 40 days last time for Brady to... Unretire. Mm -hmm. So we're in countdown mode he's now. He's not going to unretire. 39 to go. I don't think he's going to he's, either. He, but that is, is that not the number one question upon hearing this? Like, all due respect no. to... No. The, I think it is. Not for me. The, I think the number is. one question is, how is the what is Aaron Rodgers going to do now? Right? Like, well, that's not a Tom Brady-related question. I know, well, that's it kind of is because it's all... There's going to be another quarterback carousel. You know, who's going to be the quarterback for, for Tampa Bay? Tom Brady. Right. Possibly By the Tom way, Brady. you know how we've all said like Tom Brady has had this charmed life, and not saying it's like undeserved. I mean, he's one of <laughs> okay. the greatest winners in pro Where sports are we going history. With this? <laughs> do you remember when the Queen? So this is this is the, okay. Do you remember when the Queen came out? Don't roll your eyes at me, Andy. And and she said it was her uh, Annus Horribilis. Like her horrible year. Okay, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. remember when she yeah, yeah, when she I, said that? I'm vaguely, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was she was like she gave the the big speech like this was my, or this was an anus horribilis, and everyone was like, it was your what now? Yeah. Was that Tom Brady's version of his anus horribilis? Given that you probably came up with this five minutes ago, one well done. Because I, it was his in Tom Brady. Like this, relatively speaking, for everyone else, it'd yeah. be like, what an amazing year! <laughs> yeah, I got to play football yeah. for millions of dollars. Like, yeah, Anis like, Anis Horribilis. Anis Horribilis. Yeah, so it was Tom Brady's Anis Horribilis. I think for most of us, we'd be like, yeah, we divorced her, but we at least got to talk to a supermodel. That's pretty cool, right? Repeatedly, like, repeatedly, like through lawyers, often, but yep. still, like. And we at least had those millions of dollars to lose in the crypto crash. Yeah. Right? Like, like I, that's cool. That's neat. Like, Tom Brady looked like he was recording it from the beach or whatever. You know, where where was the video? Did you see the video? It looked yeah. like he was on the beach. Like, it sounded like he was on the beach. That's cool. Probably in Florida. He's, he's on the beach. Uh, but overall, I mean, not a great year from uh, on the field to off the field. It was... I, I wonder, I mean, he said, no regrets, I'd do it all again. I wonder if he'd do last year again. I bet he has a regret or yeah. two about that. Thank God, thank God for everyone involved that he's not dragging this out and kind of becoming the national punchline that Brett Favre became at the end of his career. I get that everyone wants to call their own shots and everyone wants to go out the way that they want to go out. And some guys have a hard time letting go. Jason and I have talked about this at length on this show. 
if we had a, a fleeting moment as a professional athlete, we would probably hold on to it with our cold, dead hands for as long as humanly possible. And that's changed since we've gotten older, right? Like, when we were younger, when I was younger, I was like, why wouldn't guys just want to go out on top? Just sure. just leave. And then you realize, you're like, you've got to fill the time after that. Exactly. <laughs> right? You want to, yeah, you're bored. You're like, you're bored. Think about, what, think about what pro sports provides you. A salary, exercise, camaraderie. Structure. Structure. Everything's everything's planned yeah. for you, right? It's tough on the family. For sure, it's tough on the family, as we've you, seen. But You get to go out and be cheered on by thousands of people? Yeah. How do you get that back in your life? You don't. Right? I, I'm sure. I'm sure that that was probably, aside from wanting to spite Adam Schefter, I'm sure that that was part of the reason why he came back for one more tour of duty. Was, sure. It was, it's hard not to be beloved. As someone that is beloved... By dozens and dozens of people, uh, I I I think that that whole thing, last year's retirement then unretirement, mm-hmm. was probably thinking that there was some unfinished business when there clearly wasn't. Yeah, and it's hard to walk away. And he kind of the, the video was great because he kind of said it perfectly. He's like, "You get one of these," mm-hmm. and I used it up. So and that's that's perfect. Really, that is perfect because. It's true. You can't keep going. That was the problem with Favre. Is every time he retired, what did everybody say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wait a little bit. Mm-hmm. We'll see how this one turns. So it'll be very interesting to see not where it happens for Brady, because I'm with you here, like he's done. Yeah. But what happens now at the quarterback position? Because G- can- Jimmy G replaces him. That's possible. It, oh, it's totally it's, possible. It's possible. He is one of the many suitors. The rumors are around Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, uh, where Nathaniel Hackett is. Yes. Once again, that's possible. And then Jordan Love would just replace Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Uh, the quarterback carousel will be alive and well this offseason. It could include the Seattle Seahawks, although most people just expect them to uh, retain Geno Smith one way or the other. Um, moving to local news, um, not probably going to get the same amount of attention. but well, who's um, to say? Antonio, I mean Anthony Beauvillier and Atu Ratu met the Vancouver media yesterday. I don't know if ESPN's got this is probably like second story for ESPN. This Ra- trade. It's one of those headlines. It's like Ratu, I need to work on my skating. Yeah. Uh <laughs> that was my takeaway really from it. Um Ratu says he knows he does need to work on his skating and he's gonna go down to the AHL and try and get better in that capacity. I know that Ever since Bo Horvat took his skating to a new level, people are like, oh, yeah, you can just do that now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's harder than it sounds. It's hard. Right? It's, it's harder than it sounds to fix your stride and, and get better at skating at 20 years old or whatever Ratu is. I think he's 20. He's 20. Um, it's a challenge. It's not impossible, but it's a challenge, and we'll see um, if he's able to succeed in that. Most of the scouts um, have said, like, that's going to be the one thing that keeps him back. When you're a center, you got to skate a lot. you got to skate a lot. Unless you're JT Miller, you don't have to do it as much, but it's not as successful. Um, so we'll see if he, like the Canucks are going to be counting on him to be a 3C at least, sure. at the very least, um, going forward. So he's going to need to work on that. Um, as for Beauvillier, hasn't been much said about him, but I know he's fast, and I think that's a good addition for the Canucks. They still need to get faster. You know, when they added Mikheyev this offseason, I was kind of like, oh, this is good. They needed speed. And then he immediately tore his ACL 
And little did we know that that was the actual diagnosis. Well, Frank knew it, but most of us were like, oh, I don't know. He still looks pretty fast, but he wasn't as fast as he was with Toronto. And I still think team speed is an issue up front for the Canucks. Like Bo Horvat isn't there anymore, and he was one of their better skaters. He could have taught Atu Ratu about how to improve his skating in the NHL. That's but right. alas, he's not here anymore to do that. No, the Beauvillier, the Beauvillier thing is interesting to me because he very much feels like the sort of throw-in or you got to take this guy piece of the trade, right? I don't think anyone, when they're breaking down this trade, was leading with Anthony Beauvillier because, mm-hmm. one, whether he's electric or not, he's going to make zero impact on this season. This season's toast. Yeah. Two... It's kind of a, the understanding that if it works out, cool. If not, you can flip them either in the offseason or next year. Well, if it works out, you can flip them for more. Yeah, what like whatever the case. Like it can either he can either stay in Vancouver or he can leave. I think people are like, whatever happens. Like it's a flexible sort of asset in that regard, right? Yeah. Uh the interesting thing for me is can he become something tangible for the team? Because he is only twenty five years old mm-hmm. and he's got speed. And I think that's a huge element to all of this. And I'll say this. And when, I think he's going to be playing with better offensive players than I, he was in New York. I totally agree. I think if he can come in and play the Mikheyev role mm-hmm. and play alongside Kuzmenko and, and Pedersen, well, let's be honest, it's a pretty plum gig. Like, totally. you'd be happy to do that. Yep. If he's actually got the speed that Mikheyev lacked at times, because, you know, his knee was torn to shreds. Not to shreds, but you get the idea. I do wonder if there could be a little bit of a bounce back. At the very least... Providing some of the things that Alvin talked about upon acquiring him. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if this was window dressing or if this was just his inherent scouting nerd coming out, but uh, Alvin talked a lot about the positive attributes of Beauvillier in that introductory presser. Almost more than Atu Ratu. I think part of it is because Beauvillier has such a more uh, larger resume at the NHL level. But, you know, he talked about this is a guy that's got good puck hunting skills. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that plays with structure he didn't necessarily say discipline, but he said details like three or four times. And I'm wondering, and of course, they, the Islanders played the Penguins so many times in the playoffs. I've never he heard saw. the word details so much Yeah, in a year. I, you, you cannot. <laughs> details, details, details. When someone stresses this this much, it's like an elementary school teacher where they're like, if I say it enough times, maybe it'll just sink in. Mm-hmm. It'll permeate that thick, thick it's veil. It's a part of us all. It's a part of us all. Yeah. That's, that's what you do. You just keep saying yeah. the same things over again. You have stupid acronyms like ABC, always be closing. Those sorts. They don't do that in elementary school, but you get the point. Um, I just wonder if Beauvillier might be someone more intriguing than we think. Because, again, a lot of people saw him as a throw-in part to this trade. Lots of texts already into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. As always, you can text in with any comments or questions. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Did anyone ask, sorry, just real quick, I didn't mean to cut you off. Did anyone ask Beauvillier about Anna Kendrick yesterday? (laughs) Did we we get, did we go down that road? I do not believe so now. Dang. I know. You know what I'm talking about here, right? That was like the most, he's on, he made made CNN for that. He's in Hollywood North now. I think there's some real potential between those two. Can you do it? So back in 2019. Anna Kendrick, she's in what, like Pitch Perfect, and uh, what was what was the one with George Clooney where he fires everybody? What? You don't remember? No? Oh, I know what you're talking you about. You know what I'm talking about. 
the movie with the guy in the planes. Was it up in the sky or up in the air or something like that? Up in smoke? Up in air? I don't think air? that's it. I'm amazed Halford knows something about a movie that sky we don't know. It's up in the air. Up in the air. Airplane. Was it airplane? Was it airplane? <laughs> no, it was, was airplane. It airplane too? <laughs> anyway, Beauvillier once shot his shot at mm-hmm. uh, Anna Kendrick and he threw it out On there. Twitter, right? On Twitter. He, he just, just went, said, hi. Hi, Anna, the, hi, How Anna Kendrick. How did that get so well, much attention? He scored a nice goal and then he said, because hi. all. Oh, he was but to show was her that the, the goal. big goal? The reason it got so much attention is that the, and this is actually pretty funny, the Islanders fans in the replies all tried to help him out. <laughs> so they were like, uh, he is a great guy. He Thanks perform- for lending me your Lambo the other day. He provide open heart surgery on me. <laughs> or what was the other? He's like, he once saved uh, a burning orphanage of puppies. And then it was, so it just kept going on and on and on. And then and she it, responded. Yeah. She actually responded and to I think Oh, she was, did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What did she say? No thanks? She said- It was essentially um, a thanks, but no thanks. Oh, hey, here's one of the replies. Hey, man, thanks for letting me you uh, get rid of that pop up ad. Thanks for letting me use your gear during that fundraiser you held for the animal shelter to save puppies. <laughs> your cup was way too big. But other than that, everything worked fine. Thanks again. <laughs> so anyway, it went on and on and on like this. And then finally she replied. She said, these replies have been my entertainment for the last two days. Thank you all for regaling me. With the true tale of this man's heroism. So she didn't even use his name. She just right. referred to him as this man. Anyway, I'm sorry I cut you off. Let's she talk called about- me this man. <laughs> Tito Bovillier. Okay, are we all done? Yeah, we're good. All right. To more serious matters. Text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Can't believe the trade rumors around Demko. What return would the Canucks ask for him? And then good show. Thanks. I don't even know if we're at- We haven't even started. You don't know if it's going to be a good show. It could be a terrible show. Uh, yeah, now that Horvat's been traded, uh, we talked about this yesterday. I think the focus turns to Thatcher Demko now. Um, I know Sat was talking about this yesterday, and he mentioned the LA Kings as a, a possible destination for Thatcher Demko. If indeed, if indeed, theoretically, if indeed the Canucks do consider trading Thatcher Demko, there's just a lot of smoke around this right now. There's nothing hard and fast that there's no report that he is asked out. There's just like people are going, there's something going on here. And Frege and Dolly have both reported that the Canucks have been getting calls on Demko. Um, You know, there's, there's always lots of chatter behind the scenes in the NHL. And once teams get wind of something going on, they're going to make calls. And sometimes they'll make calls and the team will go like, I, this is just a rumor. I don't know. We're, we're not, We're not trading this guy. But, you know, Patrick Alvin and, well, Jim Rutherford, when he used to talk, kind of suggested that, like, listen, the the team, and this is something that Alvin has been saying recently, and I think it's a smart move, and I think it's right. He's like, look at where we are in the standings. (laughs) You know, like, we got to consider all sorts of things right now. And as Sat said, the Kings make a lot of sense. Like, I don't know if you watched their game last night against Carolina. Horrific. Horrific They had a big lead. I think it was 4-1, and it was Phoenix Copley in net for them, and they ended up losing it in overtime. Uh, Copley's a pending UFA. He's also Phoenix Copley. Spells his name wrong. Um, and Jonathan Quick is also a pending UFA, and Jonathan Quick is old, right? Like, he's 37. Prob- yeah, he's probably done. Right, this could be laddies. This is last season in the NHL, probably. Could he retire? I don't think he wants it to be his last season in the NHL, right. but I could definitely see it being. But like the Kings have one of the lowest save percentages in the NHL. It's almost as low as Vancouver's. Um, they also have um, 
urgency, I would say, right? Like they, they have a team that's still got Kopitar and Dowdy sound, and they've got, they went out and got some veteran players, right? Like Kevin Fiala. Kevin Fiala and uh, God, I'm blanking on his name right now. Who they got? Philip Deneau. Like they've got these guys, and they're they're not like desperate to win the Stanley Cup right now, but they're in their window right now. Their young players are coming along, mm-hmm. but they've also got a bunch of other prospects, good young prospects in the organization that the Canucks might be interested in. Like I don't think the Canucks are getting Brant Clark. Out of L.A. That'd be sweet. But maybe another young defenseman slightly below his caliber, plus a first-round draft pick. Wouldn't that be nice? Add another first-round draft pick to what the Canucks already have. And then all of a sudden, as we said yesterday, you're looking at this uh, beleaguered prospect group in Vancouver and going, hmm, it's not so beleaguered anymore. Um, I don't – I. I don't. I mean, the one thing for me is that if if there is a trade, if there is a trade, mm-hmm. what would the timing be? Would it get done before the trade deadline, or would teams have to see Thatcher Demko and be like, okay, he's back, he's healthy, or is this more of an off season thing? I think it's more of an off season thing because of the point you just made. It seems you know a guy that hasn't played in over two months coming back with what three weeks to go before the deadline. It would be a tad risky if you're planning to plug and play Demko this year, which I imagine every team would be. Um, that being said, he would be a very intriguing ad for a team like Los Angeles, which is kind of swimming in the mud in net. I don't think they have a lot of faith in Copley. I know they don't have a ton of faith in, uh, what's his name, the guy they sent to the Kyle minors. Kyle Peterson. Kyle, Kyle Peterson, who seems like he's on the outs. And in Jonathan Quick, you've kind of got the, well, he's done it before, and he's been a playoff warrior before. <laughs> a long time ago. But it was a long time ago. I'm getting Mike Smith vibes off him now, and I'm kind of like, okay, does it make sense? The other hang-up about an, an in-season trade deadline deal for a goalie is that everyone's been scared off by this because of, one, the Ryan Miller one, which looms large over everybody. And then when Minnesota did it with Marc-Andre Fleury, it wasn't as catastrophic as the Miller one, but it didn't go great. And it created a rift because it ultimately led them to have to trade Cam Talbot. Now, I think Demko is an entirely different ball of wax here because you have the long-term commitment on the contract. You're not getting him in as a rental. This is your goalie for this year and years beyond. At a, the, at a pretty good price, too. That's, if, a, that's if, a big part of it. If he can return to form. He's got three years left at a cap hit of just Five million bucks, that's nothing for an elite goalie, if indeed he can. I think he can bounce back and be an elite goalie. Yeah, I don't even think it's necessarily, I mean, it is a bounce back to a certain degree. He just why would bad... you question it? Why Why is that even a, you don't think he's going to come back and be the, the same Demko? We think, well, I, thought, why I, just, you... I just said he was. Well, no, but like, why is that even a question? Why Why wouldn't he be? Some because people get fooled by short sample sizes all the time. Has it been a short sample size? His entire career, he's no, been his, pretty good. his bad, his bad. He wasn't very good earlier in the start season. of this year. Yeah, yeah start of this year. That's that the was small a, sample size. That was a small sample size, mm-hmm. and also maybe the injury. People are wondering, like, what is going on here with this injury? That would be more concerning to me, right? Is, yeah, how healthy now, can he be? When he we can be? we do have to have the second part of this conversation, which is if they actually do decide to do this, and all the smoke comes to fruition, all the rumblings come true, what the hell are the Canucks going to do in net? Well, one name has already jumped to the. <laughs> After the hypothetical trade, the hypothetical, hypothetical replacement, um, you brought this up yesterday, and now it's making the rounds on all different types of social media. Tristan 
Jari. This is an interesting name for a multitude of reasons. One, the obvious Pittsburgh connection. I don't know if you guys are aware, but Rutherford and Alvin have kind of liked to gone to the well when it comes to Pittsburgh. Did they come from Pittsburgh? They did. Oh, okay. Where they worked with? Right. Tristan Did Jari. you guys work for NBC, by the way? Just, uh, yeah. uh, yes, where we covered, among other teams, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, where they won not one but two Stanley Cups. Uh, did you know that Tristan Jari is best friends with Curtis Lazar? I had no idea. Really? Yeah. I He's no- a BC boy? Yeah. Tristan Jari? Where, yeah. What's, what's his story, Laddie? What's his story, you know Tell me about Tristan, Tristan Jari. He's a North Tell- Delta kid. He played minor hockey in North Delta. His family's in Ladner, where mm-hmm. I hang out, and they actually had that... A, mar- a market called Jari's Market, no way, which is a little grocery store that his family owns, and there's really? little That's little awesome. murals of Tristan up in the in the in the store there. So yeah, he's a very local kid. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, I don't want to say he grew up a Canucks fan. I don't know for sure, but he's from the area, and I like him. I think he's got good numbers. I think he could potentially be a, a starter. Oh my god, this but, is going to happen, isn't it? It's yeah, all starting it's, to make sense. It's, it's, he's it's all coming together. I, What's I, the most I, important thing? He's an unrestricted free agent. Yes. Years in, I right? think he's the only pending unrestricted free agent goalie. That looks somewhat attractive. Market's not great in terms of age and current form. Like his save percentages in Pittsburgh have been very good. But he's been like the the fans there don't really like. Yeah, why don't they like him? I don't know. He had that one kind of blow up in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. and I think ever since then they've had this bad taste in their mouth with Jari. And I think he's great. I think the bar is pretty high there too. Like they had Mark Andre Fleury, and they loved Fleury. And then Matt Murray wins them a couple Stanley Cups, right? Like, did he have? Has he had a trouble staying healthy? Uh, he's had a few injuries. He got injured at the outdoor game. Actually, right, right. Had to, had to exit yeah. that one, but nothing major. Nothing that you would look at and be like, "Okay, red flag." There, it's just been minor things that have kept him out. So we'll discuss this all show and probably until something happens about Thatcher Demko. Thatcher Demko, you are the new Bo Horvat, Welcome. and Bo Horvat, you were the new JT Miller, but JT Miller signed that contract. So I think um, you know something seems up right now because. Um, Patrick Alvin would have shot it down if he had the opportunity, mm-hmm. right, to shoot it down, and he hasn't done that. Uh, down Goes Brown is going to join us next. Uh, we'll talk NHL, uh, not just Canucks. Uh, the Ottawa Senators are streaking. Would Pierre Dorian be a buyer? Yep. Even though they are still well out. The same general manager that gave a third-round pick for Travis Hamannick. I could see him doing something reckless. So we'll talk to Down Goes Brown about some, you know, other stories in the NHL. Believe it or not, there are other teams in the NHL besides the Canucks. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Big Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I almost said Halford and Bruff in the meowing. I was wondering what you were going for there. It's like the cat game. Mm -hmm. We got a big show ahead. Joining us, meow. No, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Not going to play the cat game, Okay. Uh, we got a big show ahead. Sean McIndoe is going to join us in just a second here. Uh, a lot of NHL talk, a lot of Canucks talk as we get closer and closer to the start of All-Star Weekend. Uh, I was remiss in mentioning the other big moment, the big noteworthy news in the NHL right now. Greg had to point it out during the break. 
Uh, it's 30 years on the job for Gary Bettman. How do I know this? Because the front of NHL.com has a big story on the 30th anniversary of Gary Bettman as NHL commissioner. If that hadn't been there, I don't think I would have known. But thank you to Greg for pointing that Titled out. Titled, All Hail Our Glorious Overlord. That was, that was it. Now, another person that astutely <laughs> read Gary Bettman. Yes. <laughs> not by, this has not been written by Gary Bettman. <laughs> Our next guest is the author of a piece about Gary Bettman titled, Why I Love Gary Bettman, authored by Gary Bettman. No, it's Sean McIndoe joins us now. Down goes Brown from The Athletic on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Sean. How are you? I'm doing great. I got my anniversary hat on. I got the streamers and the balloons and everything. We're going to be celebrating all day long. It's so befitting that on a day where an icon like uh, Tom Brady walks away, Gary Bettman celebrates his 30th anniversary as commissioner. I got to go read that NHL.com piece. I hope they didn't take the same exact angle that I did. That would be... That would be embarrassing. I, I don't think they did because here's your headline. Gary Bettman's 30 years. Don't judge him on what he's done, but on what could have been. And here's the NHL headline. Gary Bettman, massive disappointment. No, I'm, that's not it. Um, so explain the, the idea behind this. Don't judge him on what he's done, but on what could have been. Yeah, I, I mean, this, this is just me sort of preemptively getting ahead of uh, something that, that bugs me a lot, which is when wherever we have the Gary Bettman discussion, uh, you will often hear people who will stand up and say, hey, guys, look around. The, look at the revenues. We have record revenue. We have record growth. Look at what Gary Bettman took over in 1993 and compare it to what we have today. Today is better. Therefore, He's a success. He's been wonderful. He's been great for the game. And, and you know, my feeling is, look, Gary Bettman is, in 30 years, he's had good and bad. He's a complicated guy. He has a complicated legacy. Uh, he's not some mustache-twirling villain uh, who's been terrible for the game. He's done a lot of good things. But at, when we are evaluating him, you can't look back at what he came in and took over in 1993 because that league was a mess. Yes, I mean, it was, it, that was a very poorly run league. He took over for Gil Stein, uh, for goodness sake. I mean, if, if being an improvement over Gil Stein is good enough, then yes, by all means, Gary Bettman's been fantastic. I'd like to aim a little higher, and I'd like to sit there and say, okay, what could the NHL have looked like with different leadership in the last 30 years? Maybe a little bit more dynamically, a little bit more forward-thinking, a little bit less reactive, a little bit less, hey, what do the owners want? Uh, and a little bit more vision. Uh, and, and I really do believe that this league could be in far better shape than it is. And yes, there are record revenues, absolutely. Not, not, just, not just higher revenues than they had 30 years ago, probably higher than they would have even imagined possible. But every sport has record revenues right now. Mm-hmm. Every single sport out there has seen the revenues go through the roof because TV money exploded, because all of these new avenues and new uh, new businesses opened up online and, and elsewhere, because corporate sponsorship went through the roof. I mean, if you're just going to say record revenues, uh, you look at the, the way that other leagues have grown, they're far outpacing the NHL. So was there a missed opportunity here, or did Gary Bettman just legitimately do the best that anyone could have done with what is ultimately a, a fairly niche sport? Um, I like to think that uh, we should be aiming higher and and, uh, and uh, that uh, a lot of meat was left on the bone uh, in the Gary Bettman era, but I understand other people might disagree. I like your angle on this. It's like saying, I bought this house 30 years ago in Vancouver, and look at it. It's doubled in price. Yeah. Uh, have you seen what the other houses have done? <laughs> 
because they've yeah. gone up tenfold. Um, what are some specific things that you think Gary Bettman could have done differently? The big one that I'm always banging the drum on is just the the overall product on the ice, uh, the entertainment value of the game. And, and uh, you know, 30 years ago, Gary Bettman took over. That was the 92-93 season. I have made the case that that was the most entertaining season in the history of the NHL. Uh, you know, Timo Solani scoring 70 goals. Mario has the cancer comeback. You have an amazing playoffs. All sorts of things are happening in that season. Just, just an incredibly entertaining year to be a hockey fan. And Gary Bettman comes in in the middle of that and the next year, he is given an absolute gift from the sports gods. The New York Rangers snap a 54-year drought. Your biggest American market becomes uh, just absolutely this, uh, you know, this this uh, huge story. Not in hockey, in sports. I mean, if people are too young to remember, they weren't fans back then. The Rangers were everywhere in '94. They were on David Letterman every single night. They they were Mark Messier was dating Madonna, uh, and the Sports Illustrated famously does a magazine cover where they say the NHL is hot and the NBA is not. And the reason the NBA was not hot was because the games were very defensive, kind of clutch and grab, uh, low scoring. You know, let me know if any of this is starting to sound familiar for, for where the NHL heads under Gary Bettman. And sure enough, here comes the neutral zone trap. Here comes clutch and grab. Scoring plunges. There's a lockout, so all the momentum from the Rangers is gone. And we enter uh, what is now known as the dead puck era. And Gary Bettman and the leadership of the NHL proceeds to do pretty much nothing for decades to get scoring going. Now, they say they will. They, they, I did a piece for ESPN years ago where I went back, and every single year I could find quotes from Gary Bettman saying, we're going to get scored. This is the year we're going to fix it. And then they would tweak a face-off rule, or they would make some minor change to the goaltending equipment. And the comparison I always make is, you guys are both NFL fans. You may remember back 2004, we had a huge matchup in a conference championship. It was Tom Brady against Peyton Manning. Patriots-Colts, biggest rivalry in the NFL, biggest game of the year, all eyes on the NFL, and it was an awful game. The the, the uh, Patriots defensive backs basically mugged the Colts wide receivers, yep. disrupted the passing game. It was an awful game, bunch of field goals, and the Patriots won. And the NFL looked at that and said, no, that's not what our game is going to be. That all might be legal according to how the rules are called these days, but we are not having that. We are not. We realize that the Patriots just showed everyone the blueprint for how to stop a high-powered passing attack. No, absolutely not. And they changed the rules that offseason. They didn't form a committee. They didn't study it. They didn't spend a decade tweaking it and, and you know all this stuff. That year, they made massive changes to how the rule book was called, and you know we've seen ever since. It's been almost twenty years since, and and every every offensive record in the NFL has been shattered. And you've got you know you've got Mahomes and Josh Allen and all these guys doing amazing things in this offense-friendly league, uh, and and ratings are through the roof. And meanwhile, the NHL didn't do anything like that. No vision, uh, nothing exciting. You know, they they did a little crackdown. And, and, I mean, we're at the point now where scoring's gone up a little tiny bit, and we're all just thrilled. Oh, my gosh, we've got more than six goals a game. Hey, man, there used to be seven or eight goals a game. And maybe that was too much. Maybe you didn't like the high-scoring days. But the fact is the product for so much of Gary Bettman's tenure has been so hard to watch, so dull, so boring, so conservative, to the point now where we've got Connor McDavid, the best player, arguably maybe, maybe ever by the time it's all done, and this guy wasn't even alive when scoring was when when the NHL was a fast-paced fun 
offensive friendly league. Uh, it's it's just uh, to the point now. I don't know how you fix it now because we've literally had a whole generation of this defense first hockey, but it could have been fixed. And the NFL shows us the model. And when the NFL is showing you what leadership looks like, uh, that that that's not good. I think it is getting fixed right now. Like I I, th- I think uh, I mean I I think there's there's enough goals in the NHL right now for me for it to be entertaining. I actually think that the the skill and the talent and the offense is um pretty darn good right now i mean uh, especially some some of the young kids coming into the league like they're actually encouraged to do cool things with the puck you know whether it's the michigan or something along those lines like the, the creativity is being encouraged but i agree with you like it seemed like a lost era of hockey and it, mike and it, i have it was a lost yeah. era and and yeah. here's the thing, uh, you know, you, you talk about, uh, you know, Gary Bettman often says that there's more skill in the NHL than there ever has been before, and he's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a history guy. I love Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, and those guys. But as far as the the skill that's on every roster these days, it's never been higher. Um, but I would argue that a lot of times that skill is still being put to use in, uh, you know, very, uh, very defense-oriented. I mean, the, the entire league and sport is so defense-oriented right now that we don't even see it anymore. And, and, you know, to give you another example, go back to the NFL. We're in hiring season for coaches right now. Well, what do you hear whenever an NFL team hires a coach, right? You go, well, okay, is this guy an offensive guy or a defensive guy? And some of these guys get hired and they go, oh, this guy's a real offensive genius. You've got to watch. He's going to turn that offense around. You never hear that in the NHL. You used to. Back in the you know, 70s and 80s and 90s, there were some coaches were defensive coaches like Pat Burns and Ken Hitchcock, and some coaches were offensive coaches. And that concept doesn't even exist anymore because Gary Bettman allowed the league to be so cautious and conservative for so long that players who came up in that era have since retired. They've become coaches. Now they're coaching the next era of players. Some of those players are becoming coaches, and it doesn't even seem to occur to anybody that, hey, maybe instead of being mad that my team won 5-4 to four and bag-skating them uh, and being happy when my team loses 2-1 to one and going, well, you know, at least we played it the right way, maybe there's another way to do this. And, uh, you know, I, I, yes, the league has its moments these, these years. I mean, it's, it, it can be very entertaining, and there is some creativity, and, and maybe we're starting to see it. And scoring has gone up, but scoring has gone up, and nobody even knows why. It's not like Gary Bettman finally... <laughs> cracked the code and did something. Everybody's kind of sitting around going, hey, it's cool that we got a few more goals, but we're not really sure what change led to it. I think it's playing um, the Canucks. I think yeah, that's, that that's probably that might be responsible for quite a right bit of there. it. You just got a scheduling. I mean, if the Canucks don't mind playing 800 games <laughs> next year, we can, we can get this thing back to 80s levels. You should see some of the texts coming in. Like the Canucks have really done a lot to fix that defense first mentality. Sure. There's so many people in Vancouver that are right now. Like I'd like to watch a team that knows how to play defense. So it's a there, tough market really, right now to come on right now, Sean, and say like coaches whoever's playing the Canucks that night. That that might be it. Uh, we're speaking of down goes Brown, better known as Sean McIndoe here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, it's interesting, Sean, that you mentioned the on ice product when we asked you about the Bettman legacy because you also write at length about what I consider to be his biggest legacy, and that is not one, not two, but three work stoppages in the span of 30 years. So averaging one every 10 years. Now, the reason that he had these work stoppages was to get what they've got right now, which is a hard salary cap, and it's a great situation for owners. But this year in particular, and Jason and I have talked about this at length as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline, 
it has been an abject disaster. I've never seen a league so completely frozen on the transaction front because nobody can move anything. And the fact that the Horvat trade included 25% retention just to get the deal done kind of underscores. I mean, remember, there was a global pandemic. Other leagues haven't had this financial concern. I mean, the NFL oh, salary cap is going up hard a, a salary cap. Exactly, which is where I'm getting back to. Mm-hmm. Is That, to me, would be part of Bettman's legacy is you – he grinded the APA down. He had three work stoppages and the numbers that you had compared to the rest of the other big leagues um, with regards to how many games they had canceled and how many the NHL had canceled. His end result was, I want to get the salary cap, and now we're kind of seeing the ugly, bad side of it, which is this thing is really constricting what a lot of fans enjoy, trades, transactions, player movement, that kind of yep. stuff. Yeah, I mean, anytime I sit down to, to write about you know, trades that happened in the past and, and new fans are always shocked. They're like, wow, there were that many blockbuster trades back then. Yeah. Yeah. There, there were times where, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> we, uh, there, there were some, some huge moves and, and yeah, granted a lot of that was because teams couldn't afford a guy or guys were holding out for bigger contracts. But, uh, that is part of the fun of being a fan is, you know, those, those big transactions, looking forward to the deadline, looking forward to the offseason. Hey, who's going to be a free agent? There's going to be some big free agents out there. And you don't really see that in the NHL, and a lot of that's the cap. And, yeah, I mean, you, you look at the lockouts of Gary Bettman. The first one, like I said, coming right on the heels of the Rangers winning, it sapped all the momentum, just, just absolutely um, was a disaster. He didn't get anything that he wanted. His owners crumbled on him. The, the 94 one was, was mm-hmm. a mess. The 2005, the big one that wiped out the whole season, I guess you could argue in some sense that of all the lockouts, that's the one that's the easiest to defend because at least they got something. That was a war over a salary cap, and the owners won. Gary Bettman won. He cracked the uh, the PA, and he got that hard cap that the owners wanted. And, and it took an entire season to do it, something that has never happened before or since in North American pro sports. Um, but he got at least what he wanted. But then we get to 2012, and here we go again, and you're sitting there going, what are we even having a lockout for this time? I mean, remember Bill Daly had the whole, you know, oh, five-year contracts, that's the hill we're going to die on. Well, they didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, um, but they died it, on the hill. It felt, it felt like it was more, yeah, RIP Bill Daly, I guess, because it, it just felt like it was more out of force of habit than anything. And, mm-hmm. and the thing is, when Gary Bettman took over uh, in the NHL, uh, in 1993, back then it was baseball. Baseball was the the, the league that was a mess as far as uh, as far as strikes and stoppages. And of course, 1994, they have the strike and they lose the World Series, and it was utter disaster for Major League Baseball. But at least Major League Baseball, almost you could see them look at that and say, "Okay, guys, never again. We just wiped out the World Series. This cannot happen again." And Major League Baseball has not had a work stoppage that has canceled games since then. And meanwhile, the NHL, they lose a season, and eight years later, they're like, you know what, let's, let's do it again. Let's, let's go right into it. And I still think if it hadn't been for the pandemic in 2020, we would have seen it again. And we probably will see it again in 2026, because it's just what Gary Bettman and the owners do. We shut down the league for half a year, so we don't have to pay these guys. And then, you know, eventually we get a few concessions, we sign a new deal, we paint thanks fans on the ice, and we move on like nothing's ever happened. You know what I find striking about the hard salary cap is how fundamentally it changed everything we do as fans, as media. 
it is responsible for how, what percentage, like in general, when we're talking about the Canucks and the changes that they have to make, like it may not be directly referenced, but like it has everything to do with what we talk about, mm-hmm. the hard cap. And it's funny, like back in the day, and there are fewer and fewer people that remember <laughs> pre-hard cap, but the worst thing you could be is a cheap owner, right? Like you're cheap. You won't spend money on players. That's the worst. People still don't like a cheap owner, but like, I think, I mean, having been in Vancouver, it's like fans have turned into the misers, right? Like fans have turned into the cheapskates because they're like, no, don't sign that free agent. Like that, that contract is going like, that's going to turn bad. It used to be like, Hey, it's not my money. Go and spend whatever you want. And if the contract goes bad, then so be it. Like, I don't know, go spend more money and fix that problem again. Now it's like, please don't spend $12 million over four years on a fourth line center. Please don't do that. It just, it has, it kind of has turned fans and uh, analysts into like scared of signing players. And it's, it's weird. It, it is. And it's, it's, changed everything and every the way that we look at players is all through the lens of their cap hit uh you know there, there used to be the concept of well yeah you know he's probably a little bit overpaid but so what i like him he's a good player he helps the team and, and you can't have that anymore to the point where you can have really good players uh but because of their contract you're sitting there going oh man i you know i don't want any part of that guy eric carlson's having one of the best seasons we've ever seen a defenseman have and if the San Jose Sharks tomorrow said we will trade him for a second round draft pick, there'd probably be very few you know very few teams could even do it, and uh, maybe even fewer would want to do it because he's got a big contract. And, and you know it's interesting that uh, for all the talk about you know these uh, this hard cap has been so great for the owners and it's been so uh, you know boy did they ever put one over on the players? Look at what's happened uh, since the earliest days of, of having that hard cap come in. You know, we went from a, a world where players were making a lot of money on two- and three-year deals, and now suddenly they could, the owners come in and go, aha, we're going to make it so you don't make as much money. And the players say, okay, well, then give me an eight-year contract. Give me a 10- or a 12-year contract back before the last CBA. And uh, the owners go, okay, yeah, no problem. And now you're sitting there going, oh, boy, if we're going to sign a free agent, we, we need to not just sign him for the years where he's going to be good. We've got to give him a few extra years after that where he's going to be terrible, and we're just going to have to factor that into the contract. It, it has made it pretty miserable uh, in a lot of ways to be a fan, and, and, it, and it recalls uh, to me what I, I think was almost a classic Gary Bettman moment, which was, you remember a few years ago, when people were asking him, like, hey, when's the league going to build a website? Yeah. Uh, like Cap Geek or Cap Friendly or something. And he says, oh, you know what? I don't think fans really care about the cap numbers. And it's like, are you kidding? You just you shut down for a whole year to get a salary cap. You got this whole process <laughs> in place. And now you don't want us to have the information so that we can actually evaluate what's going on. You know, that all these teams were putting out press releases. Oh, terms were not disclosed as per club policy. And you're sitting there going... Man, can you can you just please at least if you're going to give us this rotten system, can you at least give us the information that we need. And no, uh, again, had to be a fight, had to be an argument. It's a Gary Bettman way. Sean, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Enjoy All Star Weekend. We'll do this again later on in the season. Right on. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. That's Sean McIndoo, better known as Down Goes Brown, here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It's funny that we talk about this because last night I watched the. 
uh, ESPN E60 documentary, The Unrivaled Between the Red Wings and the Avs. Yeah. And it's only a sliver of it, but there's a fundamental moment in the Red Wings evolution where they said everything was a game changer. It's when they traded for Brendan Shanahan. <laughs> they had like five Hall of Famers already, and they weren't quite there yet. So they just went out and added a sixth Hall of Famer via trade. Like I, I think something had to be done about the the spending of the big teams versus the small teams. Like I, I don't want I don't want the NHL to be the Premier League. I don't want there to be a bunch of teams that have no chance of winning at all. Of course, it's a good point. I just made it. Eh, but wasn't that good. the hard cap is, I think, a bridge too far. Like it's too restrictive. And um, I think if there was something in the middle. Like a soft cap, right? Or some sort of luxury tax where if the big teams want to spend, if they really want to do that, then it goes back to the smaller teams and allows them to spend a little bit more too, mm, right? I, I, I agree. Something along those lines that isn't so restrictive to the point that, you know, <laughs> we're talking about you can't move Connor Garland, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, and I, part of that is pandemic related for sure. I mean, that's an unprecedented event in terms of the hard salary cap in the NHL. But, you know, before then, it was tough. It was tough to move money. Like, you, it's like a jig puzzle trying to make trades. And, yeah, the NHL had issues before the hard cap came in. And there was, you know, there were the Canadian teams were moving away. And even the Vancouver Canucks were in, were in jeopardy at one point of moving away. But, like, it was fun, man. The, the the deadline was so much fun. Like, Gretzky got traded. He just went to the Blues. That's right. right. And you're like, wow, that's that's a game changer. And then the Blues lost to the Red Wings. Well, anyway. Spoiler. Wasn't At that any much rate, of a game changer. Um, lots more to come on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Murph is coming up uh, just after 8 o'clock. Who else we got? David Amber is going to be at 7.30. we got an entire open segment here on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650 coming up at 7 o'clock. If you want to weigh in, give us something to chew on, chat about. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. There's a bunch of things that we need to get into. We can continue on this conversation of the NFL as it pertains to Tom Brady's retirement and the subsequent uh, quarterback carousel. We can also get into a handful of other things as well. Whatever we want to talk about, you're going to want to listen. We're going to want to talk about it. It's coming up next. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650.